Hi, this is Ann Cavero with Speeding Past 80. Thanks for joining me. Today, my guest is Brian Elaine, and he will be talking to us about uh, his new venture, Find Your Next Calling, as well as some other things he's done. And I'm just so glad to have him. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Ann. It's always such a pleasure to spend time with you. And I'm really thrilled that, you know, you're doing this work. I think it's such a wonderful role model for people, you know, that are uh, not early in their life, but, you know, don't mind starting something new and, uh, you know, being out there to try to help people. Well, it's been a joy to me. And it's just been a great uh, pleasure and gift. And I've met so many people through the podcast all over the world. I now have a new friend in Africa and one in Japan, as well as other places, too. Excellent. That's wonderful. It has been a great venture. But I want to talk about your ventures today because you've had many callings. <laughs> you have started, I don't know how many workshops and conferences. Where did you begin with this? Well, I mean, it's a crazy story, honestly. Um, you know, I spent my earlier life doing completely different things. Um, I've got a master's degree in electrical engineering and an MBA, and I worked at Bell Laboratories many years ago and did a bunch of, you know, high-tech related stuff, um, both within big companies as well as startup companies. But, um, you know, several years ago, one of my classmates from business school asked me if he'd, uh, if I'd like to come work for him because he had a couple of small companies he'd like me to help him run. And after I was there for a couple of years, he came into my office one day and he said, I've got a project that I'd like you to work on. It's for my father-in-law, Frederick Beekner. And I said, who's he? You know, I was like, <laughs> no, I had no idea who Frederick Beekner was at that point. Um, but I immediately started reading, you know, and just got blown away. Um, and for people who aren't familiar with Mr. Beekner, um, he was nominated. One of his books was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. One was nominated for the National Book Award. He had like a dozen or so honorary degrees from all these prestigious institutions. And it was an incredibly gifted and highly respected author, but he never did any self-promotion or marketing. And as a result had no online presence. So um, this friend of mine asked me to, to do that on his behalf. So in December, 2012, we launched Mr. Beekner's first website and social media. We, uh, set up an email newsletter. Uh, one was a quote of the day, every day, and another one was a weekly sermon illustration. And we we built a seminary partnership program with 50 seminaries all over the world to donate copies of his books and sponsor student awards and things like that. So all these different things, you know, to basically introduce them to a new generation of readers. But that's what got me involved in the whole Christian publishing arena. And after all that took place, it was about the time that I turned 60, um, seven years ago now. And I said to myself, okay, what do I want to do the rest of my life? <laughs> and I didn't want to go back into high tech. And I said, well, why don't I try to take what I learned and work for Mr. Beekner and help other Christian writers? So that's when I started writing for your life, you know, which was the first of several experiments, you know, which because at the beginning, I really had no idea of. You know, it'd be something that people would be interested in or not. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Writing for Life is a resource center for spiritual writers, basically. So uh, I tried to assemble as much information, resources that I could to give away to people. And then we did writers conferences. 
So, um, and to answer your question about how many writers conferences, I mean, I, I, I don't even think I could tell you at this point. I mean, probably, probably around 30, uh, I would guess between the Frederick Beekner writers workshops at Princeton seminary, the writing for your life conferences that I did, you know, several different locations and then online. And then the third area was publishing in color. Um, after I started writing for your life, I kept hearing that writers of color were really underrepresented in terms of the number of books get published. So I thought to myself, well, my gosh, every place I've ever been in business, so much is important, so much is dependent upon who you know. Sure. So mm -hmm. I said, you know, I'm not an agent. I'm not a publishing executive or an editor or anything like that. But I do know how to put on conferences. So I said, let me, you know, start this one that would foster relationships between writers of color and people in the publishing industry. And sure enough, you know, um, I think we've done 10 or 11 of those now. And um, there's all kinds of book deals and magazine articles and contributions to other books and things like that that have come out of it. So, um, so that's kind of what got me launched in all of these things. Um, after I launched Writing for Your Life and Publishing in Color, I, I set up a third platform called Compassionate Christianity. Uh, it's CompassionateChristianity.org, and it's meant to be just an online resource center for progressive Christians. And there were a bunch of folks who contributed sections to that program. Mm -hmm. uh, the fourth thing I launched is How to Heal Our Divides. And there are two different books um, that were published as part of that. This is the first one. And the focus of both of the books is to highlight organizations that are actually doing something to try to overcome you know, these serious divides that we have in our country. So political, religious, racial um, abilities, gender identity, all, all kinds of topics like that. I have both of those books. And what strikes me about those books is that the ideas that are presented there can be done almost anywhere. In other mm. words, if someone's looking for a way that might work in their church or their community, they could find something relevant in either one of these books. Well, thank you. I mean, that was kind of the intent was to give people hope, you know, for one thing. I mean, we, we get inundated with all the bad news of things that are going on. And we never hear about the great things that people are doing. So a lot of these organizations, you know, most people haven't heard of, but yet they're doing wonderful work, right? You know, so that was, you know, the intent was to try to give people hope, to give people examples and to say, you know, get involved with one of these or start your own. You know, I mean, if you see an opportunity to do something. So those are the four things that I launched. And then there's two more <laughs> um, yeah. that are more embryonic at this point. Um, you mentioned one of them, um, Find Your Next Calling. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But the, the other one is called Raising Kids for Good. And mm -hmm. that hasn't been announced yet. And it hasn't been launched yet. But I've been working with a team of people to pull that together. And the idea is to be able to have a consolidation point of um, progressive Christian resources for children, for parents, and for churches. There's a lot of folks that kind of like scramble around looking for things, you know, to use, and they have to go through a whole vetting process themselves yeah. because you never know if there's going to be something objectionable or not inclusive or not racially balanced or what have you. Um, so 
whether it's pastors or parents or whoever, they've been having to do that on their own for a long time. So um, this is an attempt to build a platform where they can go to and feel confident that the things that are resourced, that are recommended there are, you know, legitimate and, and worthy things for them to use. So that'll be coming out. We'll do like a soft launch of that in uh, the summer and then a full launch in September. Well, you know, I think that would be a wonderful resource because parents often don't know where they can go and find material they can trust and use. I think that would be a great resource. What strikes me when I hear you talk about all of these things is you really enjoy doing this, don't you? <laughs> Uh, start, startups is what's in my blood. I mean, um, you know, as I said, back even when I was in the high tech world, that's what I always gravitated to. Um, I just love launching things where there's kind of a clean sheet of paper and it's, it's just something brand new, completely from scratch. And, um, that's where I get, you know, my juices flowing. And so, I know you know this, Anne. I don't know if all your listeners know, but of all those different businesses that I mentioned, I've sold three of them. I wonder right? what happened to those. Yeah. <laughs> so, Writing for Your Life and Compassionate Christianity are now owned by Kate Rademacher. Okay. Publishing in Color is now owned by Joyce Dinkins. So, that basically just happened over the last couple of months. And what that prompted me to do was to say, okay, what do I want to do next? And so I held a series of conversations with people who I'd been working with, you know, over the past few years and said, you know, um, just brainstorm a little bit with me about what would be some ideas, some, some needs out there that I might have a chance between myself and the network of people who I know um, of addressing. Yes. So that's where find your next calling came from was, you know, um, I, you know, I kind of had an inkling of doing something like that, but the more I talked to people and kind of refined the idea, um, at one point I was <laughs> I was thinking about calling it Startups for Seniors, oh. but, but then I thought, no, nah, I don't want to limit it to, you know. No, and I don't think. Your category. Well, you know, the pandemic, I think, opened people's eyes to a lot of things. And one of the things that they realized was, I may not be happy where I am, and I may not have to stay here. You know, they found other things that they could do that would feed their passion and supply their needs for their family. So I think any age could use this. Um, I just, uh, you know, sometimes people feel stuck. They don't know where to go or what to do next. Something like this could really jumpstart their lives in a different direction. Well, that's what I'm hoping. You know, I mean, I think that there are a lot of folks like you and I that, you know, when we get to the stage of our life, we don't want to just go play golf, whatever. And and I'm not bashing people to do. That's that's wonderful, perfectly fine. If that's what you want to, you know, more power to you. But there's a lot of folks that, you know, want to do something meaningful and helping people. And during our other years, maybe we didn't have a chance to do because we were consumed with whatever. I mean, that's one of the things that just struck me as I've been doing these myself is just a sense of freedom. Exactly. Every place else where I worked, it's like you were focused like this, you know, you had to get the product to work. You had to get it sold. You had, you know, like you couldn't do anything else besides just focus on that narrow task. 
Whereas now it's kind of like, I feel like, oh my gosh, you know, it's just like wherever I'm feeling called literally is okay. Let's go do it. You know, (laughs) exactly. You know, I think uh, your epiphany may have come about the same time mine did about 2014. I asked myself what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. (laughs) I was happy with what I'd done up until then, my family and the years that I taught and, and I had done some writing. I really wanted to write for children. And then uh, out of that, I kept asking what else I can do. And I found out I have a son who teaches podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) And we had 700 columns that we had written over 14 years for our church paper in Evansville, Indiana. 1,700 family life columns, and they're just short stories. I thought, I've got the material. I've got the sun. Yes. (laughs) Good for you. Well, that's the thing. It's like with your business or with all the ones that that I was talking about, I don't have any inventory. No. I don't have to rent a storefront, Mm -mm. right? I don't have to hire employees. There's all these things that kind of in the physical world that we used to live in, were required. If you're going to have a business and you were trying to sell something, you you had to have all those things. And now it's like with the power of doing things online, it just means your investment level is so much lower. Your barrier to entry is so much lower. Doing it from your home, like, you know, we're both doing. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, what's not to like about all these advantages? Absolutely. And then the other half of ours is that uh, my husband is dealing with a chronic illness and we're home 95% of the time. And here I have a computer that can connects with uh, people anywhere in the world. Yeah. It's like a window where I can instantly connect with people all over the world. And so that has really fed my need for communication with the outside world. So it isn't just what can I give? What I'm getting back is just a true gift. It's wonderful. And I have I've asked Chris to fix it so I can't see how many people are listening because I don't think I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay whether it's 5 or 500 or more it doesn't matter because I have a few words to say. I have the means to say it. And it's just giving back so much to me. And I think when you follow your calling, that's what happens. You get back as much or more than you give. I mean, I feel that way too. I mean, of all these different things that I've been doing, I've been so blessed, especially by the people who I've been able to build relationships with. Absolutely. Because of the writing conferences or, you know, the other things that we've done. Um, And again, it, to build relationships or build a community, it used to be that you were limited geographically yes. to, you know, the people that lived in Evansville, Indiana or central New Jersey, you know, where I live or whatever. But now with, you know, the people spread all over the world, as you said, that can participate in something as long as they can find it. Yes. Right. Then it allows you to launch something that may have been too much of a niche beforehand to find enough people within your little geography to be interested in it. But when you expand the geography to wherever, then as long as they can find you and find, you know, your particular area of interest, whatever it is that you're launching, that's just powerful. It's very powerful. And I think um, 
I want to ask a few questions about find your next calling. I think one of the problems I have with finding a calling, and this was true when I kind of discovered my next calling, was that there was so much noise in my life, so much going on. I really couldn't devote time to listening to what the next calling might be. How do you propose to help people find their next calling? <laughs> wow. Well, um, <laughs> so, so this find your next calling is kind of divided into two portions is the way I'm thinking of it. One is discernment and mm-hmm. the other is, you know, more practical. Okay. I want, I know what I want to do now. How do I go do it? You know, how do I launch a business basically, you know, to, 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 to run with this thing that I want to run with. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've been reading a lot more about discernment, you know, uh, different books and things like that to try to identify the best I can of what best practices, quote unquote, are, you know, for this kind of thing. So um, I'm still, I would say, learning, but there kind of seems to be two primary mechanisms that people will utilize. One is looking inside, you know, meditation. And, and and prayer and things like that, where you kind of can quiet yourself and try to listen to what God's telling you. That doesn't work for me at all. <laughs> but the other method, you know, all and, and part of the way I identified this was just looking back at my own life and all the sequence of events that started since I was asked to do that work for Frederick Baker. All this stuff just kept falling in my lap based on the interactions I had with other people. You know, it's my experience that when you're headed in the right direction, things do fall in your lap. Yeah. And so, um, and and one of the books that I read, I actually read a couple of years ago, but I'm rereading it now. It's called Where Good Ideas Come From. Hmm. And it's kind of a sociologist looking historically to try to answer that question. You know, what are the characteristics of, you know, generating new ideas. And basically, this was all pre-internet, of course, right? So basically, his conclusion was that by people randomly bumping into each other in big cities, and because you know, they'd exchange ideas, and oh, I didn't think about that. Let me go, you know, so that kind of thing. So that's why when I was selling these three businesses, looking to do something else, the first thing I wanted to do was go around and talk to people, you know, that kind of knew who I was and kind of knew, you know, the network of relationships that I had uh, established. And so um, for me, at least that mechanism of listening to other people and just having a lot, a wide range of conversations, you know, some of them don't go anywhere. Some of them have great ideas, but that's much more effective than trying to meditate for me. (laughs) No, I went to the first writers conference I ever went to was with Madeline Lingle Mm. back in 1980. And she said much the same thing. Few huh. things you said really stuck with me. She said, if you get an idea, pay attention to it because ideas are real things floating in the air and they will hit several people at once. <laughs> to that effect. Interesting. Yes. I didn't and, realize that. Well, I didn't either, but it was her feeling. An idea is a real thing. Pay attention to it. Other people will get these ideas too. You know, you read Frederick Buechner, you read Henry Nouwen. I mean, they both were saying, pay attention. You know I mean? Because in Nouwen's case, you know, he writes about paying attention to nature, events, people, and books, and, you know, prayer. And, you know, I think this whole idea of, of 
you know, Beaker's one of the titles of his listening to your life, right? I mean, that, that says it pretty well. <laughs> it does. And I am very excited about your new venture. How can we find that or how can we connect with Find Your Next Calling? So it's in the very early stages of kind of what I would call a soft launch. You know, it's not really ready for prime time yet, but I, I've told quite a few people about it. Um, and so there is a website, findyournextcalling.com. And um, the first things that I'll be starting with are uh, an email newsletter that come out every two weeks. And it'll have, you know, articles and videos and things, kind of nourishment, like what I tried to provide for writing for your life for compassion Christianity, how to heal your advice, basically, inf- you know, information that's relevant to this topic that hopefully will be helpful for people. A lot of book excerpts, you know, from now and Beekner and plenty of other people. Good. So that'll be starting um, later this month. I think May 15th, I want to say is the first one will come out. I signed up for it. So I think. Good, good. Thank you. Uh, the second thing will be, um, open discussion meetings. So every two weeks on Tuesday at noon, Eastern time, we'll have just an hour long open discussion. Um, Each week we'll have a topic, uh, but I'm really looking for this to be an interactive thing Mm -hmm. and for people to feel like they're part of a community that can learn from each other and get insights from each other and network and Oh, by the way, maybe get ideas, you know, from each other, like we were just discussing. So that'll be starting in June, June, I think it's June 13th will be the first one of those. So those are the first two kind of programmatic elements um, of of this effort. What will come beyond that will be training classes, basically. In my, you know, kind of writing for your life hat and publishing in color, I've been doing this course called The Business of Being a Spiritual Writer. And initially it was an in-person thing. And then during the pandemic, I, you know, took it online and I've been doing both more recently. Well, I'm going to do another kind of course like that around find your next calling. So this is where it's going to take me a while to pull all the the slides and everything together because I just don't have that done. (laughs) But at some point, probably in the fall, I'll start doing um, a course where we get into these details in pretty fair depth about discernment and, and identifying a calling and then basically, okay, what do I do about it? You know, how do I, how do I launch it? So, uh, and then hopefully, you know, down the road after that, I, th- I think this would be an ideal thing to do a retreat around to give people a more, you know, focused in-depth experience at some location where you can have some classes and then go off in the woods and think, you know, or whatever. Well, you know, I'm thinking that uh, there may be several ways that people can connect. If one way doesn't work, another way would the newsletter or the discussion or a class or a retreat. So you will have several opportunities or several ways that people can can get into finding their next calling. I, I hope so. Um, there's also like a Facebook group, you know, where I'll be posting articles there and, um, you know, hopefully that will be a place where people can interact and ask each other questions and things like that too. But yeah, that's what, you know, I hope this, I would love for this to be, you know, a situation where we can all kind of help each other with whatever it is that we're stuck on. (laughs) I think that would, that will be wonderful. And I will keep my listeners posted about what's going on with this. Thank you. I think 
all of us can look forward to whatever our next calling is. And I want to make sure that people are where they can get a copy of How to Heal Our Divides 1 and 2 on Amazon or maybe their local bookstore. Or through a bookstore, I think you'd have to request it. You know, that, you know they, they wouldn't stock uh, it normally, I don't think. The stories in both of them are wonderful. And I just so enjoyed the last story about Peter, Paul, and Mary in the second oh, book. Yes. Music as an avenue for change. Isn't that and, something? Yes. And we had just uh, watched the DVD of the story of Peter, Paul, and Mary, my husband mm. and I. Wow. And it talked about, there's a wonderful DVD about their life and how they mm. use music for change. And uh, in one of them, there's a picture of her holding a granddaughter. I didn't know if that's the same granddaughter that wrote the story or not. But I don't know. Yeah, I will send you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. But it was just a nice small connection. The first book uh, just had so many wonderful ideas. Uh, the second book I thought was more had more of a relationship story. Hmm. Kind of, this is how we did it, but it had more human interest in it. Interesting. I liked both books very much. And if you're looking for ideas, here's one place where people can find them. Uh, Brian, I really appreciate your visit today. Oh, yeah, it's so wonderful to spend time with you. I really, uh, again, appreciate so much what you've been doing. Well, I enjoy it, and I know you enjoy what you're doing, too. I just want to remind all of my listeners, this is Speeding Past 80. Thank you for joining us.